Go ahead and open to the, the book of Jonah. And Jonah is the uh, fifth book uh, of the, the 12, uh, the 12 minor uh, prophets. And the book is very interesting uh, for, for many reasons, uh, but one of them, uh, right in the midst of all of these prophets who are making pronouncements to, uh, to Israel, uh, Jonah is sent to Nineveh, and uh, this whole... Uh, this whole discourse, this whole book, it's basically all narrative. Uh, it's just straight up narrative. I mean, much like the book of Genesis, uh, like so much of the book of Exodus or Samuel or Kings or Ruth, uh, where the, the other prophets are filled with a whole lot more uh, discourse and dialogue uh, in their pronouncements against uh, the, the nations. And so... Uh, this is narrating the events uh, that happened as God uh, commissioned Jonah and sent him uh, to Nineveh, the capital of the Assyrians, uh, to warn of impending judgment and doom uh, because of all of their evil and wicked uh, deeds. And so just looking at the, the first verse, uh, we see, of course, uh, the, the introduction of God's word uh, to Jonah. Now the word of the Lord, the word of Yahweh, came to Jonah, uh, the son of Ami, uh, Amitai. Uh, and Jonah uh, is a prophet that's mentioned in one other place, First uh, Kings chapter 14. Another unique thing about him, uh, if you go to First Kings 14, if you'd like, is that Jonah... Uh, was a prophet to Israel, uh, to the northern kingdom, after the kingdoms were divided, Judah to the south, uh, with the Davidic throne, uh, the Davidic king, in uh, the northern kingdom, Israel, uh, to, the, to the north. And he was sent to Jeroboam, uh, Jeroboam II. Oh, I went to 1 Kings, it's 2 Kings 14. Sorry if I misspoke. And of all the, the prophets uh, in his day, uh, if you look at, uh, so many commentators point out, if you look at Hosea, if you look at uh, Amos, uh, they have a lot of warnings uh, for Israel uh, and for Judah, uh, for the kingdoms. Uh, they have a lot of negative uh, things to say, positive too, hope for the future, uh, but uh, they're, they're very uh, stern uh, in giving the word of the Lord, in warning God's people of impending judgment upon them. Uh, but Jonah, he only gives a positive word uh, to, uh, to Israel. Uh, God sent him with a positive word, and since he is sent by the Lord, that's a good thing. Uh, but he's kind of unique in, in that sense, too. And some of those things might influence uh, Jonah's attitude uh, toward uh, those that he perceives as his enemies among the nations, uh, the Assyrians. So let's just read through. Uh, and does anyone want to... Actually, I, I'll just read through it. Uh, so Second Kings chapter 14. I uh, will just begin in verse 23. In the 15th year of Amaziah, uh, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, 
so that's the northern kingdom, began to reign in Samaria, that's the capital of Israel, and he reigned 41 years. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, uh, the son of Nebat, uh, which he made Israel to sin. Uh, And that was uh, with the dividing of the kingdom, Solomon's son Rehoboam uh, was on the throne of Judah to the south. And Jeroboam I uh, was the first king of the northern nation, uh, and he erected the golden calves. Uh, And so he was a wicked and evil king. And Jeroboam II, uh, these uh, many uh, years later, it's it's well over a century later, uh, now in the uh, the 8th century, the 700s B.C., uh, he was a wicked king. Uh, And so verse 25, uh, he restored the border of Israel from uh, Lebohamat as far as the Sea of the Arabah according to the word of Yahweh, uh, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, uh, the prophet, who was from Gat-Hefer. And so this was according to the word of the Lord, and that's quite remarkable. We just read, this is a wicked and evil king. And he did what was evil in the sight of Yahweh. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, uh, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin. So you'd expect maybe judgment would come upon him. But no, he restored the border of Israel from Lebo Hamat as far as the Sea of the Arabah. But it wasn't his doing because it was according to the word of Yahweh, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, uh, the prophet who was from Gat-Hefer, For Yahweh saw that the affliction of Israel was very bitter, for there was none left, bond or free, and there was none to help Israel. But Yahweh had not said that he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven. So he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, uh, the son of Joash. By this wicked king, God gave deliverance to his people, uh, and restored the border uh, from uh, Lebo Hamat. Uh, that's to the, uh, to the north, uh, as uh, Paul Wright says, on the uh, Orantes River, northern uh, Syria today, or uh, Aram uh, in, in those days, and uh, uh, the kingdom of Hamat. And so all the way uh, to, to the north, this very northern uh, country uh, in Syria, uh, to the south, uh, to the desert, southern Israel, uh, this was basically the extent of the kingdom uh, as it extended from David into Solomon uh, in uh, what seemed to be the glory days of Israel before the kingdom was divided. Uh, and so this was a time of uh, resurgence for Israel. Uh, this was a time of uh, political, uh, national power, uh, economic wealth uh, in the nation. Uh, and so... Uh, This was looked at by many uh, as a very glorious and great time, uh, almost having the very glory uh, under the days of King Solomon. Uh, And so he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. Uh, Now the rest of the acts of Jeroboam and all that he did and his might and how he fought and how he restored Damascus and Hamat uh, to Judah in Israel. Are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel. And Jeroboam slept with his fathers, the kings of Israel, 
and Zechariah, his son, reigned in his place. And so here's the one other place that we find in the Old Testament, uh, Jonah. He's a historical figure in space, time, history. Uh, and he came from Gat Hefer, uh, which was near uh, later uh, Nazareth, uh, where Jesus uh, grew up uh, in Galilee. Uh, and as a brother in the Lord uh, who's teaching a Hebrew class said, uh, Jonah, I mean, at least of the 12, uh, the 12 minor prophets, Isaiah, and Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, he's the only prophet from Galilee. You think of the, the religious leaders in Jesus' day. You see, that, see that no prophet arises in Galilee. Well, Jonah, Jonah was one of them. So, uh, but Jonah, he only had this positive word even for this wicked and evil uh, king. So let's go back to uh, the book of Jonah. Uh, if we were to look at the, the whole book, uh, we'll see that Jonah uh, very much... Uh, yes, yeah. I just have a quick question. I think you said this, but I want to make sure I understand this right. Jonah, as we just read in Second Kings, uh, the king Jeroboam, that was Jeroboam the second. Mm-hmm. He was a wicked king, right? right? And there's no indication that Jonah spoke prophecy against that wickedness. And, and Israel did prosper. God allowed Israel to prosper at that time, but, but they were wicked. Mm-hmm. And Jonah did not say, he, he wasn't called to prophesy to the, to the Jewish nation, or to the, he, to the Israelites, I guess. That's, and so here we're going to see in, in the book of Jonah that he was called to go to the Assyrians. That's, that's a surprising thing, isn't it? Right, yeah. Okay. That's quite, quite amazing. I mean, I uh, think uh, one put in terms of he, he was God's missionary uh, to the Assyrians, you know, among, among the nations. Yes, he spoke to Israel, the northern kingdom, and to this wicked king who was not in the Davidic line, Jeroboam II. Uh, but the reason that God restored this land was because he had mercy on Israel. He saw their affliction, uh, his people. He did not forsake them, even th- in their unfaithfulness, God was faithful, and we're going to see that again and again and again through the book of Jonah. Despite Jonah's unfaithfulness to God, fleeing and running away from him uh, and forsaking uh, the the mission that God gave to him, uh, the word that he gave to speak, uh, God is going to be faithful, and he's going to bring uh, unbelieving mariners, sailors, uh, to to faith in him uh, among the the Gentile uh, people, the nations. Uh, he's going to uh, bring uh, Assyria at this time uh, in their king to repentance, uh, great and small uh, alike, uh, lowly and, and high. Uh, and even Jonah, he'll have mercy on Jonah. Uh, but Jonah, at the end of the book, he's going to be very uh, bitter and angry uh, at, at God uh, for showing mercy to the Assyrians, even though God himself showed Jonah mercy uh, bringing him up uh, from the depths of Sheol uh, in the, the belly of the fish, uh, from the, the pit. Uh, and so, now the, the book, j- just to give a little background, we're not going to be going through the, the entire book. We're going to be looking at chapter one, uh, but just so you have a little context, it opens with the word of the Lord. Uh, two times the word of the Lord will come to Jonah. Uh, the first time it will come to him when he calls him to go to, uh, to Assyria, uh, to 
uh, Nineveh uh, to preach to the uh, Assyrians and warn of impending judgment. Uh, and Jonah is going to flee uh, to Tarshish, which is in the completely opposite direction, uh, far, 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 far away as far as he can get from uh, Assyria and from uh, God, or so he thinks. Uh, and then Jonah will end up uh, in the belly of the fish. He'll, he'll pray and call out to God, uh, and God will bring him back up on dry, uh, dry land. And then he's going to give Jonah a second chance, I guess you could call it. Uh, it's not so much a chance, but uh, a commandment, a word from the Lord to go to the Assyrians. Uh, so just look at uh, verse, chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, uh, so now the, the word of Yahweh came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. And now on one level, if you're Jonah, and you want judgment to come upon the Assyrians, that sounds pretty good. Uh, Rise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. For their evil has come up before me. Proclaim judgment, Jonah. Warn of impending doom that's going to come upon them. This is a wicked and evil people. Sounds like maybe the job you'd want uh, if, if you were uh, a prophet of, of doom and judgment. Uh, but then go to Jonah chapter 3 after Jonah spit up from the, uh, the fish. That's at the end of chapter 2. And Yahweh spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon uh, the dry land. That's good translation, by the way. Vayake, uh, vomited. Uh, and so uh, chapter 3, verse 1. And so we kind of have this, there's kind of this parallel structure to the book where we start, we start with God's word to Jonah, and now we're back to God's word with Jonah. We're, we're going to do it another time. Uh, then the word of Yahweh came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, uh, and call out against it uh, the message that I tell you. Uh, so, uh, and it might even be a little lighter this time uh, to, uh, to call out to it, uh, as in the Hebrew text here, uh, but arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Yeah. <laughs> a little more explicit this time. Uh, he, he, uh, hey, Jonah, if you didn't get the point the first time, uh, you're going to proclaim my word. Uh, and so he elaborates and builds on uh, the word that he proclaimed the first time. Uh, now, the, the message that I tell you, well, duh, that's the word of the Lord that came to him. Uh, so Jonah rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And so we'll begin in chapter uh, 1. Uh, that's what we'll be looking at. But as you go through the book uh, of Jonah, it's also interesting that you have at least seven explicit days, specific days in the ministry of Jonah that are recounted now, there were more days. It doesn't give all his travel time of the hundreds of miles that it took to get to Assyria. But three days in the belly of the fish. Uh, Assyria, the great city, took three days to travel across. Uh, the breadth of the city was three days in length. 
Uh, Jonah travels in one day, and then he travels out of it to the east. Uh, and then you have another day where uh, he, he sets up his, uh, his basically kind of a tabernacle, a tent, uh, to the east of the city, to see, what, hoping that judgment would come upon it, waiting to see what would happen to it. Uh, and, and there's a cycle of, of days where God raises up a plant over him to give him shade, showing mercy and kindness to Jonah, just like he did from the fish, uh, bringing him up from the depths. Uh, but then the next day, uh, God uh, raises up a worm or uh, some creature that strikes the plant and kills it, and the, the sun beats upon Jonah, uh, and so now he's, he's miserable, uh, and God's teaching, teaching him a lesson uh, in the, uh, under the hot uh, heat of the sun. And so you have at least uh, these three days in the fish, uh, these three days uh, going across, to Sir- across Assyria, and then you have uh, a day that cycles uh, with the plant rising up, and the next day uh, God, uh, God strikes the plant uh, with uh, the worm. Uh, and uh, one last interesting thing I'll, I'll point out, and we'll point out some things along the way, is that Jonah also, as he flees from the Lord, he f- flees to go to Tarshish as far as he can get away. Uh, he, he go, and he'll go down, 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 uh, down to uh, Joppa or, or uh, Yopha, uh, down into the, the belly of the ship, uh, away from the Lord. Uh, and so he goes down into the ship uh, to get away from the Lord. He'll go down into the fish, uh, down to the, uh, into the depths of the sea. And so he'll be in the ship, he'll be in the sea, he'll be in the city. Uh, and then later he'll build this, uh, this tabernacle, this tent, to give himself shade from the sun. But the point is, wherever you go, you cannot get away from the presence of the Lord. Uh, whether for salvation or judgment... God will bring, uh, bring a, uh, a tempest, a, a great storm upon the sea, and he can bring calm to the sea and deliver the, the sailors uh, once Jonah's cast in. Uh, he can send Jonah down and have a fish swallow him up and then deliver him out of the fish. Uh, he can get, uh, give deliverance to the Ninevites uh, in the city, uh, and he can give shade to Jonah in his little tabernacle, or he can have the sun beat down and strike, uh, strike him on the head, uh, and his, his little uh, dwelling that he made for himself does him no good. And so wherever Jonah goes uh, to try and get away from the Lord, uh, wherever people are, uh, they're not out of the reach of God's judgment and salvation. He's the God, uh, the creator of the heavens, the earth, the seas, and all uh, that, are, that are in them. And so we'll see the first part of this in uh, chapter 1. But I just wanted to give you a little overview of the book. So uh, if it spurs you on to, uh, to more study in reading the book, uh, there's a profundity and depth uh, to this very short book uh, in the Bible uh, that I personally can't plumb the depths of. I, it's, uh, it's stunning uh, just how, how it's woven together and all that it teaches about God and about his people and about the nations. And so uh, we'll uh, be going through this, uh, this narrative, uh, through this first section, uh, God calling uh, Jonah uh, to go to Nineveh, uh, and then uh, Jonah fleeing from God, 
uh, and we'll break it down uh, into uh, to sections uh, just because it's a fairly uh, lengthy, uh, lengthy passage. But I just want to, uh, to drive home uh, the main point that we're going to be seeing again and again and again uh, as we go through it, uh, both God's uh, judgment, uh, even against Jonah, uh, but his mercy uh, for the nations, uh, for the peoples, uh, even uh, wicked peoples and people who do not know him. Uh, and Jonah's fleeing, God will providentially orchestrate to bring uh, these pagan sailors uh, to faith in himself, uh, despite Jonah's uh, unfaithfulness. So, uh, verse 1 uh, and 2. Uh, Now the word of Yahweh came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, uh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Uh, Nineveh uh, was was a very uh, wicked people. Uh, In uh, the uh, the 9th century BC, the 800s, they were a resurgent power, uh, becoming the, the very dominant power. Uh, in uh, this entire region. Uh, And so uh, they were within uh, modern-day Iraq, uh, between the Tigris and the Euphrates, uh, Mesopotamia, uh, in in that region. Uh, And they were uh, the uh, dominant uh, power. But as they uh, had conquests coming to the south, uh, coming toward uh, Israel, uh, all of these uh, cities that we're, we were hearing about, uh, they, they were checked for a time, I believe it was 853 uh, BC, uh, at the Battle of Karkar. Uh, the Assyrian power and aggression was checked for a time uh, at the north, uh, around the very same area of northern Syria uh, that Jeroboam II's territory extended. Uh, but then... Uh, not, uh, not much time uh, followed uh, within about 15 years or so. Uh, again, uh, Assyrian power was coming, and they were dominating city after city, power after power, uh, Hamat, Aram, uh, all of these, uh, the Arameans, uh, that became like modern-day Syria, uh, all of these uh, peoples coming south uh, toward, uh, toward Israel. Uh, and then... And let me uh, just read from scholar uh, Eugene Merrill. I'll give just a little bit of the the context. Uh, There's again a bit of the waning of of their power uh, as they went then into the 700s. So from the 800s to the 700s BC, uh, their their power waned a a bit for a time with three kings. Uh, But after that, uh, they would absolutely steamroll and dominate uh, every nation that they, uh, they came across, uh, which ultimately is going to lead to the deportation of uh, Israel, the northern uh, kingdom, uh, in 722 uh, B.C. And so Eugene Merrill says, uh, as emphasized here several times al- already, Assyria, after the reign of Adad-Nirari III, 810 B.C. through 783 B.C., uh, was in a dismal state of affairs. Internal upheavals and pressure from powerful enemies such as Urartu uh, in the Aramean states 
uh, kept it in a defensive holding position until the mighty uh, Tiglath-Pileser uh, III came to power in 745 uh, BC. Uh, this is the period in which Israel under Jeroboam II and Judah under Uzziah reigned, uh, regained territories forfeited earlier and a great measure of their international prestige, uh, like under the time of Solomon, uh, or close to. Uh, also, uh, during this period, Jonah was occupied in his prophetic uh, ministry. Uh, given these chronological limits, uh, the most likely time for the mission of Jonah to Nineveh was the reign of Ashur Dan uh, the third, uh, 772 BC uh, through 755 BC. Although no royal inscriptions have survived from uh, his years in power, the Assyrian eponym uh, list and other indirect witnesses attest to his tenure as a period of unparalleled turmoil. Ashur, uh, Arapah, uh, Gozan, and many other rival states and dependencies revolted. In addition, uh, plague and famine struck repeatedly until the empire was left impoverished and in total uh, disaster. Uh, and so it was likely in, uh, in this time from this tra transition as Assyria was gaining steam, gaining power, uh, and then in, in a period of decline or delay, uh, there, there's a short delay, a brief respite, uh, that uh, the territory of Jeroboam II and Uzziah expanded, just as Jonah prophesied. Uh, and following this, Jonah sent to the Ninevites uh, to warn of judgment. Uh, and the Assyrians uh, were extremely, uh, extremely uh, brutal. Uh, I had a history professor uh, that recounted two discussions, uh, or a discussion between uh, two historians, uh, and one uh, said that the Assyrians were the Nazis of ancient times, and the other corrected him and said, no, uh, the Nazis were the Assyrians of modern times. Uh, and th they're basically known for kind of lightning war uh, in the speed uh, with which uh, they would assault cities uh, and bring overwhelming force upon them uh, and hem them in. Uh, bigger cities that were walled and fortified uh, that they would uh, lay siege to uh, until they suffered from uh, depredation and starvation and thirst, uh, rape, torture, uh, putting the people into slavery, uh, putting them up on pikes, flaying uh, their skin. Uh, they, they were absolutely uh, brutal people. Uh, and on one level, I, I don't want to overplay it uh, because uh, brutality, uh, go back to the beginning of Genesis, uh, goes throughout. Uh, the ancient Near East uh, was brutal. Uh, uh, Soviet Union, I, I mean, uh, communist, you can point again and again to example after example after example. Uh, and even uh, the Nazis, uh, do you know uh, where they found uh, inspiration and modeled uh, many of their uh, Nuremberg laws uh, for eugenics? Uh, from the United States of America. 
uh, we were at the very cutting edge of uh, eugenics uh, in the world, and they looked to us and praised uh, our scholars, our universities. It wasn't just like New York and California, but states like Indiana. I think over 30 states had eugenics laws uh, on the books. We were the very uh, cutting edge, and so unless uh, we uh, don't realize that uh, our nation and all nations are under the kingdom of darkness, uh, and we need to be uh, brought out into the kingdom of light, into, into Christ's kingdom, uh, his heavenly kingdom that will come down from heaven uh, and be a glorious, righteous kingdom that will uh, uh, never be corrupted and never uh, come to ruin. Uh, the, the, the more you see history, or just read your Bibles, uh, you'll see uh, brutality uh, throughout. So, yeah. I just can't resist... Um supporting what you're saying here. Margaret Sanger is described in the history book that my children studied. Margaret Sanger is described as a spirited uh, feminist, you know, visionary. Feisty. Yes, feisty. My wife is... is yeah, I, I'll never forget the way that, that the history book... That's what they taught my children. And she was instrumental in the eugenics movement. And Hitler you know, learned from her. So, you know, you just see where we're going here as a country as well. Yeah, yeah. And so we, we uh, if we don't think that we have, uh, or the, the, the nation uh, uh, and the peoples involved in eugenics have, have blood on their hands, uh, you know, anyone uh, that would tacitly approve or support or advocate or participate in that wickedness uh, needs, needs to repent. Uh, and we all need to repent from our sin uh, and rebellion uh, against, uh, against God. Uh, and so uh, Nineveh, uh, Assyria, uh, and, and uh, got Hefer. Now, uh, where Jonah was from, that was uh, in the northern territory. Uh, and when the Assyrians came, uh, they would come right through that region in Galilee uh, and destroy and siege city after city after city and deport them, uh, deport uh, Jonah's own people after uh, his ministry was, uh, was gone and uh, done. And so uh, maybe Jonah's fears, uh, uh, many of them uh, came to be uh, realized. And in fact, uh, Amos and Hosea said it would happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think everybody in here knows that you know Ma- Margaret Sanger. I, I believe was the instigator of the Planned Parenthood, which is so prevalent that we have today. So we haven't gotten away from it. But you know, for me, one of my nicknames is called the Baby Whisperer. I love babies, and I just have a, I just love babies so much. And t- it's such a terrible thing to me to even I can't even comprehend that but also where we are today with being able to, you know, first of all, the partial birth abortion, and then now today that you can even give birth to a live baby and still, well, make a decision. And it's just appalling. So Margaret Sanger with Planned Parenthood, and we haven't, you know, look how far we are still going backwards. So, yeah, and uh, as uh, Grant Horner uh, has put it, he's from the, the Master's College, uh, literature professor, Milton scholar. Uh, everything is biblical, uh, and in that, that's biblical. In that, 
Uh, the Bible speaks about the wickedness of man, uh, the, the shedding of innocent blood. Uh, and uh, lo- look, at, look at what humanity uh, does, uh, the very most innocent among us. Uh, and under Rome, under many of the nations, uh, infanticide was, uh, was commonplace, uh, putting out children to expose them. Uh, there's a papyrus uh, from, I think that one's around the first century, of a man writing to his uh, wife, I believe in Egypt, uh, saying that uh, if, well, he, he just addresses, he's out, he's out away on business, uh, and just casually, you know, addressing this, this purchase or these things, just household things. Uh, and then he just casually says, oh, if the child uh, is a boy, keep it. Uh, if it's a girl, put her out. Kill her. Expose her. Uh, and uh, I know a guy, an acquaintance, who was a English-speaking uh, pastor in uh, China, uh, before they, well, quote-unquote, liberalized their adoption policies, be- before people from, like, the U.S. could adopt children from, from China uh, and with their one-child-only policy and, uh, I mean, with, with girls and such like that, uh, they killed children uh, by the millions. He was, like, on the train tracks, on riverbanks, in the river. I mean, uh, uh, the, the lucky ones went to uh, the... Uh, basically kind of, kind of an or- orphanage, and the, most of the infants would be put in the, the dying room uh, where they'd be left to die. So that's why he and his wife adopted two uh, Chinese girls uh, because uh, they were so shocked by, uh, by just that, that wickedness. It's uh, unfathomable to, to think of. So uh, the Assyrians were, were a wicked people, and so in all fairness to Jonah... Yeah, don't run away from the Lord. Listen to the Lord. Uh, but but uh, just to put it in context a little bit, uh, the Assyrians were a big threat. And so uh, if you, you can understand a little bit Jonah's uh, uh, mindset. And so uh, God says, go to Nineveh, the great city, call out, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. And God isn't mincing words. Uh, and so Jonah rose and went to, to Nineveh. No. Jonah rose. He got the first part right. <laughs> it's same, same language, same word. Uh, that, that, up to that point, Jonah was following the word of the Lord. Uh, everything that follows but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of Yahweh. Uh, he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it uh, to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of Yahweh. Uh, and there's a chi- chiasm there centered beginning with Jonah's fleeing uh, from the presence of the Lord to Tarshish and ending with the same. Uh, uh, and so instead of arising and going to Nineveh, he's not fleeing from Nineveh. He's not fleeing from the, the Assyrians. He's fleeing from the Lord. He's, he's, he's trying to get away from him. Uh, and so Assyria was to the north of Israel, and, and, or uh, in Nineveh, to, to the east in modern-day Iraq. Uh, but Tarshish, 
That's way to the west in, in the Mediterranean. Uh, and some scholars say that there's discussion about where exactly it was. Uh, some maybe Sicily, north coast of uh, Africa, Spain, uh, some identify, but way, way, way to the west. Uh, lots and lots of trade went uh, between them uh, and uh, with uh, the, the Canaanite uh, peoples, uh, Car Carthaginians, Phoenicians. Uh, and so he's trying to get as far away as uh, possible. And one of the things uh, that you kind of realize Jonah almost seems to have kind of a mindset, you know, he, he's kind of uh, maybe nationalistic in the sense, I don't want to use it in an anachronistic sense, but in the sense that, you know, only anything good for Israel, you know, he, he proclaims these glorious words, which were words from the Lord, God's mercy, you know, is good in Jonah's sight, you know, uh, and we'll even see. Uh, what, the first time Jonah speaks, Ivarit anohi. Uh, I'm a Hebrew, Hebrew of Hebrews, you know, Jonah. Uh, and later he'll talk about those who hold to idols. Uh, their, uh, their loving kindness and mercy will, will depart from them. But I'll sacrifice to Yahweh and keep my vows. Well, actually, God's going to have mercy on the Ninevites right after that. <laughs> Jonah's like, uh, you know, the people who, who worship idols, it's, it's partially true. Yeah, if they keep worshiping idols. Uh, and so Jonah kind of has this mindset that uh, he's kind of, kind of blinded in the sense that, that Paul was even talking about, you know, Hebrew of Hebrews, uh, uh, Israel, according to the law, blameless. You know, he, he had a certain uh, pride about himself uh, before he came to faith uh, in, in Christ uh, and was humbled. And yes, this is God's nation, God's people, but they're also a vessel of mercy to the nations and a light to the Gentiles. Uh, they're supposed to be, uh, but Jonah uh, he, he flees from the Lord. Uh, and what I was saying, that this territorial mindset, it's almost like if I can get away from Israel, I'm away from the Lord. I'm away from his jurisdiction. I'm <laughs> uh, try, trying to get away from him. Oh, it's not that easy, Jonah. Uh, he's the creator of all things. He's not like the other gods. So, uh, continuing... Oh, my text jumped on me. Uh, and so uh, now Jonah fleeing, we see God's response, uh, and then we'll transition to the, the ship uh, and the, the sailors, uh, the mariners. Uh, but Yahweh hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea. Uh, and so this is a great uh, torrential storm uh, upon the Mediterranean, or the great sea, uh, as it was called, uh, Yam Hagadol, uh, the, the Great Sea. Uh, and so here, here you have this storm, uh, lightning, thunder, uh, torrential winds uh, stirring up, up the waters. Uh, and naturally, with all this violence of the sea, so that the ship threatened to, uh, to break up, or uh, and the, the ship threatened uh, to break up, uh, then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. Uh, and they hurled the cargo uh, that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. And a few times we're going to see that the, the sailors were afraid. Uh, this first time, the storm descends, 
Uh, they don't know where it came from yet. Uh, we're told, we know, we know it's from Yahweh. Uh, we, we, we have that, that perspective as the readers. Yahweh hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea. Now, as for the ship, it threatened uh, to break up. Uh, then the mariners were afraid. And so uh, when a great storm comes upon the sea uh, and the ship is about to come apart, uh, you're talking about life uh, and death uh, and violent drowning, drowning in the sea uh, this is a very perilous situation. And so right now, uh, they're terrified of the storm, as they should be. Uh, but as it progresses, we're going to see ultimately uh, they're going to be terrified of Yahweh. Uh, they're going to be terrified of the God of Israel. Uh, he's the one that they'll fear and sacrifice and make vows to uh, by the end of this situation. Uh, so the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, Molech, Molech, help me, Asherah, come to my aid, I'll, I'll, I'll do anything, I'll make vows. Or Baal, Yam, God of the sea, uh, the God of the Canaanites, Yam, that's the word for sea. Help us, save us, deliver us from the storm, do not destroy us. Uh, they, they kind of personified the sea. These, these great powers were their, their gods. And so they're crying out to all, all of their, their gods uh, here. Uh, and they hurled the cargo uh, that was in the ship into the sea uh, to lighten it for them. It might be a sensible thing to do as humans, but it's not going to do them any good. Uh, this storm's from God. And so now we turn to uh, Jonah. Uh, we kind of have a back on the ranch. Uh, now, as for Jonah, Jonah had got down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. And so uh, Jonah has gone down. He went down, uh, uh, down to uh, Joppa. Uh, now he goes down into the, the, the ship. Uh, down into the, the belly, the very, the very heart and the depths of the ship, uh, and he goes to sleep, uh, trying to get away from uh, all of this, get away from the Lord, uh, the storm, all of this. Uh, he uh, wants nothing uh, to do with it. Uh, and this leads us now uh, to the dialogue. Uh, and here uh, we're going to see uh, between the sailors and Jonah, eight times... Uh, they, they will speak. Uh, in the first three times will, will be the captain and the sailors. In the fourth time, we'll finally hear from Jonah. And it's there that we kind of come to the center in the heart of this, uh, this text. Uh, and if we were going through the book more slowly, I'd lay it out. Seems to be a chiasm running through this whole chapter. So like A, B, C, D, C, B, A pattern running through it. And so I'll point out as we get to the center uh, in the heart of it, where Jonah well, confesses he's a Hebrew, but that he fears uh, Yahweh, uh, the God of the heavens, who made uh, the sea and the dry land. Uh, and the sailors will rebuke him. That's the very heart and center of the text. Uh, and it's framed around uh, the sailors fearing, uh, fe ultimately coming to fear God. So as we read along, we'll see the captain exhort Jonah to call out to God. Uh, we're going to see the sailors 
cast their lots to try and figure out who's responsible for this great evil and calamity that's come upon them. And then they will question Jonah. And they'll, they'll bring us to the very heart of the text. And so Jonah uh, had laid down and was fast asleep. Uh, so uh, the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will ha- have a thought to us and we may not perish. And so everyone else is calling out to their gods. It's not working so far. You, where are you doing sleeping? Call out to your God. You know, see, see if it works. Call out to all the gods. Uh, maybe one of them will answer us and deliver us. Uh, and so it's kind of ironic here. Uh, God told Jonah, you know, call, call, out, call out against the Ninevites. Uh, now uh, the captain saying, call out to your God. Uh, and a question, is Jonah going to call out by, by the end of this? Is Jonah going to call out to Yahweh? Is he going to call out to the Lord? Or are the sailors going to call out to the Lord? Good question. We'll, we'll find out. Jonah will call out from the belly of the fish. Uh, And so then, uh, now second, the second speech we see uh, with the the sailors, the mariners. And they said to one another, come, uh, come, let us cast lots uh, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Now, there's, again, a bit of irony there. Here you have pagans, uh, pagan peoples who don't know God uh, from the nations divining, casting lots to find out who's responsible for this. And in God's providence, uh, the lot falls upon Jonah because God is going to single out Jonah. And so kind of in their ignorance, you're like, no, 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 you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, in some cases, like with the Urim and the Thummim, uh, in very specific contexts, uh, God, uh, in very specific circumstances, uh, in very specific instructions, uh, God revealed himself and spoke to himself in a special way, but it did not come by human innovation or by human will or by humans just deciding, I want a word from the Lord, so I'm, I'm going to cast lots, or I'm going to read a liver, or I'm going to look to the stars. Uh, no, it was only on God's terms that he revealed himself to his people. Uh, but they're casting lots, as is their want. That's, that's what they do among the nations. Uh, and in God's providence, the lot falls on Jonah. And so now they question Jonah. We get to the third part. We're, we're nearing the, the center. Uh, then they said to him, tell us uh, on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and what people are you from? They they want to know, where where are you from? It's kind of bound up with this territorial idea uh, of their their gods. Where are you from? And here we get to the heart of it. Fourth. And he said to them, I am a Hebrew. There's maybe maybe a little pride there, but true. I'm a Hebrew. And I fear Yahweh, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? 
First they feared the storm. Now uh, they hear, well, I'm a Hebrew. Probably not too afraid of that. And I fear Yahweh, the God of heaven, God over all, who made the sea and the dry land. In other words, he made everything. He's the creator of all things. He's sovereign and rules over them. Uh, this, whether there's a storm upon the sea or whether it's calm, it's his doing because he rules over it all, not your gods. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? They rebuked Jonah. Here you, here you have Gentiles who don't know God, who hear of God, but the one true living God, and they rebuke Jonah but for what he has done. For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of Yahweh because he had told them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A quick, quick question, I hope. Um, okay, the Mosaic Covenant was in effect here, and Israel was to be a light to the nations. Now, my question is, these, these sailors, they knew enough to be terrified because this was the God of Israel. So the question is, did the people in, the, the, in that area, all of the different people, groups, had they heard about the power of Yahweh? That, that's very possible. I mean, with the Exodus, you see that like Rahab confesses that we've heard about you. You know, you have the spies who say, oh, the people are terrifying and, and scary and big and tall. Well, yeah, they, they have big warriors and all of that. There's some truth there. Uh, but, but Rahab says, we're terrified of you. We heard about the judgments that Yahweh brought upon the Egyptians, uh, and you're an exceedingly great people. <laughs> and so uh, they, they're the ones that are actually terrified of them. And so uh, certainly they, they could have heard, but if not, they're now hearing, this is the God of heaven who made uh, the sea and the dry land. And so th- this is the heart of it. This is where the beginning of this chapter, well, it's where it begins, it's where it ends. And so if you... If, if, if you get anything out of this, this is the point. Uh, I fear Yahweh, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And Jonah, you, you fear God? Why are you running from him? Uh, it's it's, it's inco- incongruous, uh, but true, true. Uh, And so, uh, for the men knew, what is this that you've done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of Yahweh because he had told them. Uh, And so, uh, fifth and sixth, and so we're we're in the next four, uh, four, four parts. We had four speeches, and now we're going into the next four. Here's the the second, or the sixth. Uh, Then they said to him, uh, they have another question. So, who are you? Where are you from? Now, what shall we do? Uh, What shall we do to you uh, that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And that repeats uh, again and again. You see this tempest that came upon the sea. It grows more and more uh, tempestuous. Uh, It was going and storming, going and storming uh, in in the Hebrew text. uh, Kind kind of an idiom for this progression uh, of the storm. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will be quiet, will quiet down for you. 
for I know it is because of me uh, that this great tempest has come upon you. Uh, going back to the, their second speech, when they're, uh, they cast lots trying to figure out who, who's responsible for this, for all this evil coming upon us, now Jonah confesses, it's part of this chiasm, uh, he, he echoes back to it and confesses, so pick me up and hur- hurl me into the sea, then the sea will be quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me uh, that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard uh, to get back to the dry land. Testing God, maybe. <laughs> uh, see, see, they don't want to cast one of God's people into the sea. Uh, they don't want to cast Jonah into the sea. Uh, but uh, they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous Uh, against them. God's in control. God is sovereign. If God brings judgment upon the sea, uh, no one can stay his hand in calm it. And so now we get to the eighth eighth and final speech. Uh, Therefore, they called out to Yahweh. Not Jonah. You remember the Rav HaHovel, the captain uh, of the the ship. Uh, he, he said, Why are you, what's with you sleeping? Come, cry, cry out to your God. Well, it's not Jonah who cries out to his God. It's, it's the sailors who cry, <laughs> the, the unbelieving, uh, before this, the unbelieving sailors. Uh, therefore, they called out to Yahweh. Oh, Yahweh, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, Yahweh, have done as it pleased you. Uh, for you, Yahweh, as it pleased you, you have done. You've done as you, uh, as you pleased. Uh, God is sovereign. He's in control. He's uh, the creator of the heavens, the earth, and the seas that dwells in the heavens, exalted over all things. Uh, and so he does whatever he pleases. And so they're saying, if there's a storm here, you've done it. Uh, and so uh, they're going to listen to Jonah, uh, and they're, they're saying, please do not lay upon us innocent blood. Uh, and so they have more concern for the shedding of it, uh, maybe innocent blood uh, and for uh, fearing God than Jonah does at this point, uh, fearing the word of the Lord. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Uh, then the men feared Yahweh exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And so now they, they fear Yahweh explicitly, exceedingly, uh, and they offered a sacrifice and made vows. These are now worshipers of God. And then just very, very quickly, because we're uh, coming right to the end of our time, Matthew chapter 5, or uh, Mark, Mark. It's actually the, the very end of four. So Jonah's going to go into the belly of the fish. Let's just uh, read through this, and then if there's uh, uh, if any comments or questions. <clears throat> now, I'll just read through it. Listen. On that day... 
uh, when evening, uh, and so this is after Jesus uh, had been teaching and giving his parables. On that day, when the evening had come, he said to them, Jesus, uh, to his disciples, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, uh, they took with, uh, they took him with uh, them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. Pro- probably underneath, away from the uh, the storm. So he's asleep. Uh, Jonah was asleep, Jesus is asleep, uh, in the boat, in the stern, uh, stern as the storm uh, is, uh, is uh, happening. And so now the captain woke up, Jonah, now the uh, disciples wake up Jesus. Uh, but he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke now, does, God, does he say, cast me into the sea, hurl me into the sea, because I know it's because of me that this great storm has come upon you. Oh, no. And uh, they, they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Now it's not the storm. It's after Jesus speaks to them. Uh, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear. And they feared a great fear, just like in the text of Jonah. And said to one another, who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Jesus is not just another prophet. He's not just another Jonah He's, he's the faithful son, but he's Yahweh who stills uh, the sea. And so, uh, any, anything last? Okay, let's uh, pray and we'll uh, close. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you uh, for, uh, for your prophet Jonah and for using him, for using sinners, uh, even in his unfaithfulness and where he is faithful too. Uh, to bring redemption, uh, to bring salvation and show mercy to your people and to the nations and peoples and Gentiles, uh, even to the Ninevites. Uh, And we thank you above all for your son, uh, for it's by his word uh, that uh, he stills uh, the sea and the storm. Uh, He is one with you, uh, our Lord and our God. And uh, so we thank you for uh, for him and uh, the salvation that's uh, in him. And pray that you bless our time and uh, Bob as he preaches and give us uh, ears to hear uh, voices to uh, proclaim and sing your praise. Amen. Amen. Thank you.